OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Vogue Podcast. Originating from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. People have spoken, my friend. The Farwell and Pope podcast lives on. For two more episodes. You can't this deny. One and one more. No, Mike, I'm going it. into summer mode. Over. I'm going into summer mode. Listen. Season is over. So is the podcast. See you next September. Nobody cares. We'll do one more after the draft. And then that's it. What you're wearing during the podcast. You can come in here nope. in your jean shorts, pink tank top, and backwards snapback. Snap yeah. Sure. I saw this all on Twitter. Jason says the podcast must go on. I'm on Team Jason. No. You can do it, though, if you want. <laughs> we got two more podcasts. This one, one after the draft. Stop it. And then maybe a couple uh, special releases throughout the summer, if you will. But Once again, I insist. I'm going into summer mode and not working for free anymore. The podcast. <laughs> you, don't, you do this because you love it, not because you don't get paid for oh. it. We, neither of us do this because we don't get paid for it. By the way, sponsorship availabilities still exist on the Farwell and Pope podcast. Tweet away at Farwell underscore OHL or at underscore Chris Pope. This one brought to you by Creamore. Try their new IPA. Also brought to you by Jason on Twitter <laughs> who said it can't go away. The fa- I need my Farwell and Pope podcast. By the way, yeah, thanks. PD will find other things to do. Trust me. Thanks to Clive who said our most recent episode was the best episode yet. Really? Thank you for that, Clive. He was taking a drive to, of all places, London Popped in the old Farwell and Pope podcast. That makes me sound old. You don't pop it in. You turn it on, whatever you did. Yeah. Clive listened, said he loved it. We talked to Rusty, Russ Hammond, the not anymore head trainer, but I'm still going to call him head trainer with the Guelph Storm, and found out just how much a Memorial Cup means to a guy that's been associated with minor hockey for almost 40 years and the Guelph Storm for more than 20. Hey, Clive. If you're looking for something to listen to after next week on our final edition of this year's podcast, you're terrible. Make sure to go back to our first season. You can do some re-listening because I'm sure you haven't listened to every episode. But make sure to go back into the archives. Clearly, Pope and I still have some hard negotiations over the next seven days. In the meantime, as we get set for round two of the OHL playoffs, we're going to a lockout. Something, <laughs> but the I think the end of the lockout is supposed to be. You get more money, or there's a new deal reached. They- Again, sponsorships available for season three of the Farwell and Pope podcast. I love this podcast. It's my favorite podcast. It, naturally. One of the things that has been on my mind since the end of the first round of the playoffs is how quickly it came to an end. Not just for the Kitchener Rangers, the team that we cover, who got swept by the Guelph Storm. That was one of five first round sweeps. In total, the sum total of games won by the underdogs in round one across the Ontario Hockey League. Eight series. Three wins total for the underdogs. One each by Owen Sound, North Bay, and Peterborough. And as pointed out by the legendary Freddie Wallace, Fast Freddie up at the Bay Shore in Owen Sound, he said, Mike, it could have been even worse because I tweeted about this at Farwell underscore OHL. It could have been even worse both North Bay and Owen Sound won their games in overtime. Just imagine if it had been a fluke bounce the other way. And all I want to say, Popper, as I also expressed on Twitter, I'm not sure this is a great look for the league. We talked a lot around the trade deadline about the teams Mm -hmm. loading for Bear and going for it. And we clearly, this season, have two distinct classes of OHL team. Three wins! Three. 
but isn't that what you expected? I don't know that I'd say I expected it. I certainly didn't think that the Rangers storm series would go as quickly. I thought Guelph would win, but not in four straight games. Uh, I thought I actually, I I had Peterborough. I, I was buying in maybe no. a little bit of a dark horse over there. I, I think it's, this is exactly what I expected. Huh. Three, maybe, yeah, maybe four, five, like where's the line? But I don't, I didn't like if they all ended four, one, then it's only eight. Like, I don't know if there's a if there's that big of a discrepancy. Um, I think it's exactly what we all expected. We knew that the, these final eight teams would be standing here in the second round. It's going to be a great second round, but it goes back to why I'm starting to not be a fan of these super teams. But I'm with you. So let me ask you a question because March Madness also continues. We're getting into the final four as we're moving into the elite eight in the OHL. No one goes to OHL first round playoffs anyway. So what's it matter? Oh, that's a great point. But what makes the NCAA? March Madness basketball tournament so compelling. The upsets. Exactly. So I'm asking well, it's you, it's a one, Ontario one and done. League, fine. So you want to go one and done? Owen Sound no, beat St. Marie the first game, so they're into the go, second round. I don't want to go one and done, but I wouldn't mind seeing a seven-game series or two. Wow. Well, oh, you, you could do one through 16 and still have the same thing. You could. Kitchener would have still faced Guelph. You want to talk about going one through 16? I'm all ears. I know. I, listen, I think we all are. Unless your name rhymes with Schmavid Schmranch. But, I mean, I don't know if you wouldn't have the same thing. The top eight teams in the league this year are completely better than the bottom eight. But it goes back to what you were talking about and your feelings around these super teams. And we identified this. You can go back. You were just talking a moment ago about going back into the archives of the Farwell and Pope podcast. So it's on record. You you spoke out pretty strongly against this idea of super teams. And I didn't necessarily disagree. And we wondered, is there some sort of trade cap that could go into place, a maximum number of moves per year, that kind of thing, to avoid this very thing. Look, you can say what you want about the National Hockey League. I quite frankly hate its playoff format, but I don't think I'm necessarily opposed to the parity that we're seeing in the National Hockey League right now. I really don't think I'm opposed to that one bit. I think that with 20 teams in your league, the Ontario Hockey League should give it's member cities hope and that hope should last beyond January the 10th. Well, yes, but you have to remember it's not the Ontario hockey league. It's the general managers and the owners, but the league, like everybody has the same tools, right? But the league could implement some rules to create more parity is what I'm saying. I get that teams look, it's not that far. I know, but every team sound being there. Anyone can do it though. So why aren't the other teams doing it? London does it all the time. Windsor does it all the time. Kitchener knows that it goes ebbs and flows. Owen Sound knows it's ebbs and flows. There are so many teams, and I I know those are all Western Conference, but you look at Oshawa, it knows it's ebbs and flows. Peterborough, to an extent, yes. Kingston knows it's ebbs and flows. But there are certain teams that are just complacent being mediocre, and they don't push their chips in, and they're just ride it out, and then they trade a player who's going to graduate the following year for two draft picks and move on. It, there's the new the new rules aren't going to do anything. It's just going to take away the super teams. It's not going to. It, it's punishing the teams and the general managers that are doing a better job than others. Okay, you make me think about one more thing before we get into sort of recapping the season that was with the Kitchener Rangers, and we've got a lot of audio for you to listen to from the very last game of their season after that uh, game four loss versus the Guelph Storm. But you talk about the ebbs and flows. 
and I've been thinking about this a little bit because, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. You know that I've got London versus the field and a case of beer on it. So I got <laughs> London coming out of the Western Conference. They've got a big second round versus Guelph. Guelph, the team that we saw in round number one is the yep. team that George Burnett assembled back on January the 10th. For sure. It was every bit the super team. Ebbs and flows. Getting back to that point. In 2014, the Guelph Storm were Memorial Cup finalists. They lost the championship, played in London to the Edmonton Oil Kings. They took the lead into the third period. Anyway, the Guelph Storm, five years ago, were Memorial Cup finalists. The team that they have on the ice right now could well return to the Memorial Cup. In between, they had a couple of real bad years. Real bad years. The cycle. 2014, Memorial Cup finalists. 2019, could very well be. The Kitchener Rangers were Memorial Cup finalists in 2008. Crickets. I'm just saying. So I'm asking, as a fan, what would you prefer? I get the ebbs and flows. I'm with you. I think most teams and most fan bases get it. So over the now 11 seasons since the Rangers have been Memorial Cup finalists, a la the 2014 Guelph Storm, they haven't been back to the dance. They haven't been back to the tournament. They've missed the playoffs twice. So has Guelph. But Guelph has. And, and let's be clear, it looks like Guelph is going to have another rough couple of years after this one based on what they sold off to get this team. But do you, do you take that short term, relatively, to back-to-back playoff misses? Fair enough and mediocre teams until this year. But thinking that, or with the idea that you'll go every five years or so to the ultimate dance, to the big party. Whereas, I I don't know, the Kitchener Rangers have had some good teams. They've gone to a couple of West championships. They've won one division title. The Guelph Storm can't lay claim to the division title, but I don't know. And that could all go out the window if the London Knights drum the Guelph Storm out of the playoffs, but I think it's pretty interesting. Well, I think you're one move away last year. If Mike McKenzie moves a couple second rounders and makes a move for an additional player or one suspension away or lack of a suspension away from having a completely different conversation in my mind. And I I don't think like every year is different. You have to figure out what other teams are doing in that year that you go for it. Mike McKenzie went for it last year. George had to go for it a little extra this year because of the other teams that were contending. He was already dealing from lower in the deck, if you will, than where Kitchener was last year. They were one of the top teams and then loaded up where George knew he's going to have to go through London. Saginaw's loaded up. Sault Ste. Marie's been good all year. Ottawa is the best team in the league and no one talks about them anymore. So he knew if I'm going to go for it, I got to really go for it. Like I'm going all in here, not just a couple chips. I'm dumping all my picks. It's completely different, but it is. We see it all, every year in this league. You just have to. I this is where I, I've all, or I did say earlier this season that I wouldn't mind um, much like in fantasy. If anybody plays fantasy sports, where you have a, a maximum number of moves you can make, whether it be weekly or yearly, and I wouldn't mind putting a cap at how many moves you can make a year in additions or subtractions on your roster, whether that be call ups in junior B, whether it be trades, whether it be signings, whatever it is. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a cap, but again, I think you're just harming the general managers that do a better job than others and that are more willing to risk it for the biscuit. 
if you will, because there's certain managers in this league that just don't make trades and that don't go all in and just sit on their picks and go about their day and hoping that building through the draft works. And it does to an extent, but you got to make some moves in this league because the way things are going, it is super teams that end up winning. You need to make those deadline moves or pre-deadline moves in order to be successful. I just think it's a little bit of a difference in philosophy. And and we could argue, I mean, you mentioned Mike McKenzie's name, by the way, he's coming up a little bit later in this podcast, looking ahead to the draft that is this weekend and the season that was for his Kitchener Rangers. He's part of a new regime in Kitchener. So we could look at the 10 years prior to his arrival and debate who was running things and how it was run, what the philosophies may have been. But Oshawa comes to mind. Erie comes to mind. Oshawa won won it all in 2015 yeah. and are a pretty good club again right now, looking to be good again next year. So, and it, so it just doesn't, it doesn't feel to me like the drought for some teams has been as long as the drought for other teams. No, you're you're right, but it's not fair. Sports isn't fair. You you have some teams that are better than others, of course. But you don't think it speaks to some sort of philosophy? I don't know that no. anybody comes in saying we're going to be mediocre forever. But there is, like you talked about, the the opportunity. If if Mike McKenzie wanted to push in more chips last year and then bite the bullet a little harder this year. It could have been a different outcome. 100%. Been, right? So that that speaks to me to a different kind of philosophy because what you see Niagara doing this year and Guelph having done this year is completely contrary to the London model, which just always seems to be consistently good. Well, they Oshawa's do things a little model. funny, don't they? Like, let's be funny honest. Funny ha-ha? And they have, a better, they have a better system in place. Yes, not funny ha-ha. Funny her? <laughs> where a team like Sudbury, when was the last time they were this good? I know. The Felinos? The last time they were like this Nick, good. Nick yeah. Felino? Or not was uh, a, Marcus Felino? Was a surprise season, yeah. which goes back to my original point about let's get some upsets back into this game. When was the last time Ottawa was this good? Yeah. A long time ago. And was it because of the regime change? I don't know. If if you talk to their general manager, he gives a lot of credit to the team that he inherited and the draft picks he inherited. From uh, it was Jeff Brown who was there before. I don't know. I, I I just don't. I think each each team is different, and it, it's just like pro sports. You can look at any league, any sport league. There are teams that have a better history than others. There are teams that that are better at it than others. The New England Patriots are the premier sports franchise in sport. Why do you got to bring that up? Well, because they do it. They they everyone that goes out there, free agent, NFL free agency, just the other week. Everybody goes out there and starts throwing around mad money. And where's Bill Belichick? On a beach with his wife that's 30 years younger than him. They don't pay free agents. They expect people to come. They fill a role. They do things better than other people. So should we implement rules where to hinder their success? No. And we shouldn't have to implement rules into the Ontario Hockey League to hinder other teams' success to make it more fair because eight teams went for it this year and the other eight were like, no thank you. Is Bill Belichick's wife really... Thirty years. I don't know. I'm guessing okay. she's a lot younger. You, you thought it was his daughter when they won the Super Bowl, and it turned out being his wife. Out <laughs> of boy, Bill. Yeah. Second round in the OHL is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be tremendous. We, we might have we might have four, seven game series. At I'm this ex- rate. I'm excited to see the Ottawa Sudbury series because this is an opportunity for Michael DiPietro to outduel Uko Pekka Lukanen, and I I wonder 
he hasn't been good since going to Ottawa. Let's right. call a spade a spade. And let's, it could be vice versa. Uko Pekalukkanen might want to be saying, hey. I'm going I up against know- the best. I have to be the best. But he might be the best right now. UPL. I don't know. It's going to be really in, like that. Take the unders. <laughs> but Ottawa's offense, I don't know. Who knows? All right. We- now, now, this, now the playoffs start, though. Really. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I found the first round to be a little bit, it, it left me wanting. And I mean, across the league, I just would have liked a little bit more drama. Somebody pick up a second win for crying out loud. Yeah, but look at the point differentials between the top yeah, four yeah. Right. and the bottom four in every, each conference. It was I'm, astonishing. I'm sitting here telling you I'm not sure it's a good look. Period. That's all. Tell you this. Okay. You tell me, Popper. How many games did the underdogs win in the Western League? Uh, you know what? I'm terrible. I have no idea. It's not a bad look for the league because nobody's looking at it. <laughs> well, it's the, what, do, what do I care about the WHL right now? I'm well, sorry. that's what I'm saying. Well, how's, it, how's it a bad look for the Ontario League? Well, anybody that's a fan of the league. You don't think that, come on. You, you, don't, you don't, don't think, think people are talking about this in the dub? Absolutely not. You think, you think people in the Western League are t- looking at the Ontario League going, wow. No. They're only, exactly. But I'm talking about the fans of that league. Maybe in the dub, they're saying the same thing. Maybe in the Q, I don't know what they're saying there. I'm saying here in the O. It's a bad look when your underdog teams in the playoffs manage combined three wins. I don't think anyone cares. I care. Do you like why? You don't is my think question. you don't think anybody besides me cares? I no. just I, I just I would like to see series. Not, no one cares because everyone knew this was gonna happen. Everyone knew this was going to be the final eight. Even going into the playoffs. The closest the closest series. The winning team outscored them twenty-two to six. Kitchener Guelph. That was the closest one, eh? Are you sure about that? Well, th- that that was. I mean, that was the one that we all thought might be an upset. Oh, it I was see. not close <laughs> at all. All right, it was maybe close for. And with all due respect to the Rangers, it was maybe close for three periods. Out of twelve, out of, of the twelve that were played, just don't forget that I've got London versus maybe the field. Anyway, wow. He's, Changing it. You well, I started thinking the, the last game was pretty close, but then in the third it really wasn't. It was over. So I, I don't know. Anyway. Just remember I've got London versus the field the rest of the way. Case of beer on the line. Yeah. What a cake. Man, oh man. We've been, we've been uh, betting a lot of beer, but so far we're even. And all the beers bet this year. I, I was reading someone's thread on Twitter. Who was it? Were you tagging it? No, someone was tagging in it. Somebody was complaining about all. Why, why do men always gamble beer? Can't they gamble chocolate bars or something? <laughs> Just gold. I'll gamble beer till I'm dead. Thank you. I'd gamble for chocolate bars. You've seen my sweet. Tooth. Yeah, that, I don't know. That, that's why I won't. Because I'll lose. <laughs> I'll lose. All right. Uh, speaking of losing, the Kitchener Rangers did that in round number one. Uh, we have the privilege of following that team around for 68 games each and every year. And of course, all the playoff games and following the game for loss, we were able to catch up with uh, three of the four graduating players, uh, the overagers. Kyle Gentles and uh, Cole, Cameron. Cole Cameron, as well as Ricard Hug, who's going to play pro hockey back home in Sweden. We missed out on Alex Lipinoff, uh, and we also managed to, uh, oh, I said Gentles and Cameron already. Yeah, and we Connor Hall we didn't talk to because we've talked to him lots. He was actually a guest on a previous episode of the podcast. So before we get to hearing from some of the players, how about head coach Jay McKee, who was uh, in conversation with our very own Popper right after game four. The final loss to the Coach, as you just said, you were just talking to the guys after an emotional game like that. What is the message to a team when the season finally comes to an end? 
Well, you know, we're, we're awful proud of uh, a lot of the stuff that we did during the season. It's tough to go out like this. You don't want to go out four straight, uh, especially here at home. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that we, uh, there were times in the series where we, we did a lot of good things and there was times where we could be better. Um, overall, I think uh, we could have been better. You don't want to be the, the downer, so I didn't touch a whole lot on that. But, um, you know, we just want to give respect to the guys that won't be back next year. And I think, um, you know, we, we had mentioned that uh, you have to learn from this. You know, there's going to be guys that are coming back next year. This was an experience for a lot of the young guys. Uh, and even some of our older guys um, who probably didn't have the playoffs that they would have liked to have, uh, it's a learning lesson, you know, where, where you got to be better, uh, where you have to improve, what you need to work on over the summer, and, and uh, because that's that's not where we want to be going out and for. You've talked at length this season about how close-knit these, group, or these guys are. The players have talked about it. Can you try to put into words the mood after that loss? It's tough. It, you know, when you... You know the loss aside, just when you when you come together real closely as a team, from the players, the staff, it, it's the tightest group I've been with as a coach in, in eight or nine years, whatever I've been doing in coaching, and and probably in the sport in general, and since in junior, since 25 years. So it, they've been an absolute pleasure to coach. It's it's fun every day with these guys, uh, and I think the, the emotions hit when you think about the fact that some guys aren't going to be back. You know, and this is the, this was the last time that these guys will be on the ice as a. As a full team, you know, uh, Hugger and Lipper probably uh, won't be back. Uh, Jens and Cameron, two guys who have been uh, incredibly respectful kids, and and uh, guys, all all four of those guys are guys that our young guys learned a lot from, uh, character-wise. As a season as a whole, how do you describe it? Um, it was fun. It was. Uh, I, I thought the guys did a lot of good stuff throughout the regular season. Um, I, I think the playoffs is going to leave a bit of a bittersweet uh, taste uh, because we, you know, we didn't see the exact same team that we saw uh, throughout the second half of the regular season. You know, a lot of our, our top guys uh, didn't really get it going. Um, you know, and they, you have to get a lot of credit to. They, they were hard to get on the inside of. They've got six real good defensemen. They have. Uh, you know their centers down the middle are, are big and strong and, and tough to get on the inside of. They've got big wingers, uh, high, a lot of skill. Now, so a lot of credit goes to Guelph, but it, it's still just not going to sit great when you uh, when you see the the seasons that a lot of our guys had, and then we see what happened here in, in four games. I've enjoyed being around Jay McKee these last few years. He's always he's always open with us. I think he gives us pretty good interviews. I I think he's like any coach that's been around this game long enough. He'll give you what he wants to give you, but I think he gives he gives you more than just cliched stuff. And every once in a while when you ask the right question or just get him going cuz he's not a he's not shy about doing it, he'll tell you a nice story along the way. I've always enjoyed that. For sure. You get more of that than I do because I'm right post game. So yeah. it's 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 fresh. The game's right in his mind. That's what he's thinking about. When you talk to him beforehand, it's nice. He's a little more relaxed in his office, chilled out. I'm like, "So, how about that second goal? Right. <laughs> and he's like, I love it though because I find it hard enough as it is to to just watch the game and talk about it and then think back, how did that first goal go in again? And you mentioned something to him and he's like, the first goal, this is the exact play that happened. Second goal, this is the exact thing. I'm like, holy cow, you're a smart man. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. We get some great stories out of him too, over coffee on the oh. road at times and stuff like that. And he's sharp-witted, eh? Yeah. Quick. Very quick. But you could tell that loss stunk. It, that's exactly where I was going with this, yeah. right? Because you, you know that he feels it kind of like the players almost feel it. Absolutely. I'm sure he, 
you, you lose a playoff series. He, he's invested all the tape, all the tape he watched, all the film he broke down, all the work throughout the year to get that team to that point. And let's call a spade a spade. He did a fantastic job with this hockey club day in and day out to get them to buy in and to get them to play the kind of hockey that he wanted them to play. So I think that loss, he looks back at the whole season and is like, all that work, and we didn't win a game. We didn't win a game. I think they won one period. It was it was pretty lobsided, and you could tell. I'm sure he went back and listened to, or, or went back and in his mind and looked at all of his playoff losses. I know even as a broadcaster, we want to follow this team as far as they can go because just because we get paid more. And <laughs> It's true. And if we both want to call a championship. It'd be pretty cool. Um, but I remember when I played, it was I, I sat in the dressing room for at least an hour after the game without taking my gear off. I was a backup goalie for Pete's sakes. I, that's maybe why I left it on. It didn't stink that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be my final game. Uh, and I, I didn't want to take it off. And I'd only been with that franchise for one year. It's funny you say that because we're about to hear from the graduating players from the Rangers, three of them anyway. And the first one we're going to hear from uh, had his jersey still on when he came out for the post-game interview with Chris Pope. So uh, here in reverse order, Ricard Hugs will be the last interview the Rangers captain that you hear in this upcoming segment. Uh, in the middle of it all is Cole Cameron, who was, you can tell how from his how articulate he is that he was not only taking, but enjoying. He wasn't taking easy classes at Wilfrid Laurier University through the season. Macroeconomics, what? And then uh, Kyle Gentles, who was still in his jersey when he joined Chris Pope postgame. All three right now. Kyle, an emotional end to a junior career. Can you put into words what the feeling was like on that ice? Um, it, it, it's sad. Uh, a lot of it's just, it's, it's sad and um, usually I'm pretty good with dealing with, you know, having the season over and, and stuff like that. But, you know, leaving this this tight family in there, it's it's definitely a tough one to swallow. But um, with saying that, it was it was the funnest hockey season I've ever had. Um, and, you know, we we I don't think we'll ever lose our connection within within each other or whatever. So, um, you know, the next couple of days are going to be fun that we have left here and, you know, back to off-season training and stuff like that, but it's uh, it's been a good ride. Undrafted, a walk onto this hockey club, and here you are capping off an overage season in the playoffs as one of the leaders for this hockey club. Did you ever think you'd be where you are right now? No, I never gave up hope. Um, you know, the, it was it was a tough road to get here, and it was a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, and definitely a lot of tears. And uh, you know, I remember I remember it all, but. You know, to play in, in this organization in front of all these fans every single night and, you know, to play with such talented players, it, it, it was an honor. And if, if I could go back, I wouldn't change a single thing I did. As you came off the ice, you grabbed that Rangers crest and pulled it out to the fans. How much does that Rangers logo mean to you? It's, it's the world. It's, uh, it's something that will stay with me for my entire life. It's something, uh, you know, when I get older, I have kids. It's something I'll talk to them about. Um, it's something that, you know, I have family in there. It's, uh, I don't have any friends in that room. I have family. And so, you know, I just, I gained 20 other brothers this year and stuff like that. So it's a big part of who Kyle Gentles is now. And, um, you know, it's going to be a big part of who Kyle Gentles is tomorrow. Fans have seen you grow from that 
rookie defenseman as a walk-on to now walking off as an overager. Do you have a message for them? They were awesome. Um, you know, I remember my first year we got eliminated first round in, in Owen Sound, and, and, you know, they're still there the next season supporting us. And then, you know, we go on a fantastic run, and they're there the whole time. And, you know, even this year, you know, we were kind of the underdogs and weren't expected to do so well, but still to have X amount of fans to come out and, and still support you, it means the world and, and everything. So they, you know, I, I wouldn't want to play anywhere else, hands down. I, I love this place. So, Kyle, thank you. Thanks. Michael, hold on to it and take a walk down here. I'm just going to grab Cole Cameron, one of the fellow overagers. Cole, thanks a lot for coming out. Uh, you guys, you guys taking a moment at uh, center ice there, you, Kyle, and Connor Hall. What was said? What was said? Just take it in. Yeah, you know what? Um, this is the second biggest rink in the in the league, um, and these are the best fans. So to be able to just, uh, you know, before the game, actually, I went up in the stands after morning skate, and I sat here, and I said, you know, if this game, if we lose this game, this is what I'm going to be watching the rest of my OHL games for the rest of my life. And, you know, you appreciate um the fan support and the people that come out that make noise that make it special for you when you're on that center ice and you're thanking them because uh, without them that doesn't mean anything you know i could go out here right now and put my hand up and there's no one here and that wouldn't mean anything right but with the people here and those those people that come and support and pay money to come and um honor us is is a real privilege and uh, it's been uh been really fortunate to have uh, closed it out here in kitchener i wish you could have been here longer you, you talk about your time here in kitchener you spent time in North Bay and Owen Sound, how does it differentiate for people? You hear it all the time about how this is a special place, but how does it differentiate for you? Uh, in the room, it's just it's a very professional organization. Um, there's no gray areas. There's someone that's taking care of everything. Um, the coaching is very professional. Um, the, the staff is humongous. Um, they're, like I said, they're all pros. Uh, the guys played. Um, you know, We've got a defensive coach. We've got a forward coach. We've got you know, a coach telling us who's coming out next, what line's coming out next, and I've never played on a team that's had that before. And like all the knowledge, they give you all the tools to be successful. Um, obviously, uh, came short here in playoffs, and uh, what happened in the regular season against Guelph, we, were, we thought would uh, would happen in playoffs. But um, so that's obviously disappointing for us. But um, it's not that they didn't give us the tools; it's we didn't show up, and that's on that's on us older guys. And um, try to pass that on to uh, the younger guys to just that feeling and. You know, we, we, we don't want to let this, this city down, and uh, we feel like we did a bit given uh, given the regular season series. But um, having said that, you know, for me, it's still been a pleasure, and uh, it's really exciting to get to play playoffs here. But um, would have liked a different result. But because of the professionalism of this organization, it's been uh, top cl- top class, top notch, and uh, given us all the tools to, to be successful. Well, I know I speak for Mike when I say it's been a pleasure for us getting to know you. Thank you very much, Cole, and congratulate. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mike, one last guy over here, Ricard. <laughs> Congrats, buddy. Um, how tough is that? Uh, it's really tough. Uh, my last game was a Ranger, so going down here at home for nothing in games in a playoff series, that uh, is tough. When you first came, what was it about the Rangers organization that made you want to come to North America and play here? Everything was so professional. Uh, it's like they didn't. Mean NHL, like junior NHL, like everything, like with a team from like our trainers to the coaches to like the fans and the whole community is so professional. 
and it made, inspired me so much to come here. When you go back to Sweden, as your career will eventually turn pro, what will you tell people about your time in Kitchener? I'm going to tell you, it was the two best years of my life, for sure. Uh, and if anyone asks me for advice, like, I'm going to recommend them go here. Like, it's been unreal. I've learned so much, uh, both on ice and off ice, and it's been so much fun. Safe to say, then, what Gabriel Landeskog told you was true? Yeah, for sure. Ricard, thank you very much. It's been a privilege. Yeah, thank you. Mike? Thanks very much, Chris. You want to take odds right now on who the Rangers' captain is next year? Sure. Really? I was just playing with you. Okay. Oh, okay. No, go ahead. Oh, I don't know if we can say names, can we? Because the players might listen to this, and I don't want to be that guy. They didn't name a captain until February this year. Yeah. I saw a couple of the players walking into a a beer store the other day. They were having... uh, some post-celebratory cocktails before heading down to a Jays game. They were legal age. Don't worry. You got to drop stuff like that. Let Why? the guys go into the beer store. I, I am. I'm just saying they're enjoying the off season still. They're going down to a Jays game. They're Poor, still still a team. Like there's awesome. a lot of times when players would just be like, "See, I'm out." Guys, just be warned. Popers watching you everywhere you go. Wasn't it? It was what, after Jonathan Yancis's fiftieth uh, goal. You'd, you'd stalked him at the keg the night before? Well, I think Yantis might be stalking me, dating back to the story I just told. <laughs> Whoa! I thought we weren't dropping names. I You're did, terrible. I'm just You're saying. terrible. All right. Uh, we, won't, we won't yet take odds on who the captain I, I Honestly, I'm, I'm so over it, who captains are on teams. I think it's becoming less and less relevant, but maybe that's a topic for an entire other one of our summer podcasts because these will continue beyond next week. No, they won't. And you're wrong. So, okay. anyway. Yeah. How are the lease working out for you this year? Well, exactly. <laughs> Same place catch is going to be first round exit. Stop that. See ya. Stop that. See ya. Are we going to have to bet more beer? <laughs> Buddy, that's such a cakewalk <laughs> for Boston. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We heard from uh, Jay McKee. We heard from Kyle Gentles and Cole Cameron and Ricard Hug. We've got a draft coming up this weekend. And we need to look back, I think, anyway, with uh, the guy that calls the shots in Kitchener's now. Uh, I think so, Kitchener. too. I'm sure one of us will be over at the rink at some point on Saturday. Maybe. We'll be covering it online, though. You know what we could do? We could send our third man in the booth over. Mark Perry will go over and grab an interview with a couple of the draft picks. The kid is going to sleep at the rink beforehand because he is an animal. Every day, I'll tell you this, every day I come to work, my talk show ends at noon. His shift begins sometime around 4 a.m. And I'm yelling at him to leave. Can't get rid of the guy. He's an animal. He is an animal. He's also tweeting about wrestling today, so he needs to get a little better. <sighs> I agree with that, but I didn't I'm see those just tweets. Getting him going. Wow. I don't I don't care, Perry. I don't care at all. I just like to get Farwell going. WrestleMania is this Sunday. It is. Uh, the that? draft is Saturday, which means there isn't much off time between the end of the playoffs and back to work for general manager Mike McKenzie. Do you compare at all doubles, uh, double overtime game seven West final one year and then a first round sweep the next? I suspect losing sucks no matter what, but is there uh, is there one that feels better or worse than the other? Uh, yeah, it's hard to measure. I think, uh, you know, last year was, was a kind of a special run and uh, very exciting and, when you get to the third round and double overtime, it's one of those things where anything can happen and a, a bounce off a skate or whatever can can move you on or end your season. So you're kind of 
you know, looking at it that way, I think this year, uh, with going out four straight in the first round, uh, it's a disappointing way to, to finish the season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Uh, you know, going four straight, uh, I thought uh, we could have probably put up a little bit better of a fight. And uh, that was something that we kind of told our guys last night when we left the rink is that, you know, we're obviously disappointed. Uh, I think there could have been a bit more pushback uh, on our part. That being said, uh, we're we're playing a really good team, and you've got to look down the hall and give them a lot of credit too for the way they performed and, and played. And their top guys and the guys that they traded for stepped up. And I think over the course of the season, they made nine trades in total in one season, and uh, you know added four, five, six. Um, you know, elite players at the deadline, which you don't see too often, including three world junior players, which is rare to see as well. So a lot of credit to them on how they played. Uh, would have liked to see us uh, push back a little harder, but uh, the past is the past. Now we've got to move on from it. It's only about 12 hours since we left that rink last night following the 5-1 loss to the Guelph Storm. So uh, as fresh as it is, what do you take away from the season that your team had, Mike, a fifth place finish in the Western Conference, third in the Midwest Division. Yeah, like I said, the ending's disappointing, but uh, I don't. We don't want to look at the whole season in 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 a small microscope of the last two weeks only. I think that's a little bit dangerous uh, to use that recency bias to look at you know, a season based on just the last week and a half of the season and how things went in the playoffs. Uh, we want to look at it from a larger lens and bigger picture. And when we do that, you know, there starts to be a lot more positives that you see coming out. Um, it was a little bit of an up and down season. I think we got off to a really good start in the first month or two. Uh, things were going really well for us. We were happy with it. And then we hit a big uh, rough patch there at the end of November and kind of uh, all of December right before Christmas where things weren't going our way and we weren't playing the way we wanted to and uh, had to find our way out of that. Came back after Christmas, uh, rested and ready to go. And right from you know the first game after Christmas break, basically all the way until the last game of the regular season, uh, we played really, really well, I thought. Uh, we moved up the standings three, four spots, cemented our, our uh, position in fifth place. Uh, so we were really happy with how that looked, uh, the way the team played, the way our younger players uh, you know, improved and developed over the course of those two or three months. So there was a lot of positives in, in that sense. So, uh, we, you know, there were some ups and downs, but at the end of the day, I think there was a lot of positives. We decided to play our younger players a lot, moving guys like Chase Campbell and Nick McHugh. That was the reason for that. And I think you can see in the development, we maybe expedited that a little bit for guys like Reed Vlad, Donovan Sobrango, Isaac Langdon, uh, which is only going to benefit us moving forward to next year. The process of exit interviews with your players begins today, Mike. What is that process uh, all about? What does it look like, and what's the purpose of it? Well, I think, first of all, you want to just kind of recap their year a little bit and, and you know give them a picture of how we thought it went for them and, and get their in, input as well, I think, is important. It's not a one-way street here. Um, we want to make sure that they're getting their voice heard on you know, how they thought they did and, and is there things that we can do better 
uh, as a staff or organization. Um, you know, I think that's important to hear and, uh, basically setting them up for how they're going to succeed next year and how they're going to get to a spot next year individually, uh, and putting kind of the wheels in motion on, you know, what it's going to take to get to that next level for that certain player. You know, and by doing that, you hope that, you know, we have, I think like 18 guys coming back next year. So if, if all 18 guys look to do that and get better and, and improve, then, you know, individually, then you combine that. And as a team, you're obviously going to be a better team with all, with all those little pieces adding up into pieces of the puzzle, adding up into your actual team. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot about what they need to do in the off season, how their training is going to look, um, things that they can improve and work on uh, and take them, give them a message to take home basically for the whole summer um, that they can look at and kind of look back at even midway through the summer and, and think about what they need to do and how they're going to improve for next season. I've always found the OHL draft to be a little odd just in terms of its timing, and I know there are reasons beyond my control for that, but last year, for example, for, for many teams, the, the, the draft happens while they're still in the playoffs. With your quicker exit this year, uh, it happens a week after you're, you're eliminated from the playoffs. But next Saturday, the 6th, is the time for the draft. How do you approach the draft, Mike? Is there an area of need you want to address, or do you simply go with the best player that you see available on your board at your time for picking is the player you take. We'll have some strategy, I think, but uh, the saying goes, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Um, so, you know, you can have a plan and, and it can go, it can uh, go away pretty quickly once, you know, those other 19 teams aren't informed of your plan. And uh, sometimes they like to throw a wrench into that. So we'll, uh, you know, I kind of equate it to a little bit like writing an exam. You study, you study all year, you study for it. And then uh, draft day is the, the exam day when it's time to actually, you know, show how much knowledge you've had and show show why you've worked so hard all year to uh, watch these guys and, and do your research on them and, and figure out who the guys you like are. And, um, you know, it's a lot of hours and, and days and months of work it culminates in basically eight hours on Saturday. So it's a little unique in that sense, but um, we, we're just looking to continue to stockpile good young players and, um, you know, position-based. We're, we're not too worried about that. I think, uh, you know, we'll decide at some point, you know, whether it's the right move to pick a defenseman forward, a goaltender, but I think the goal is for us as a, as a group and, and staff is just to continue to, continue to rack up younger younger players and good young players that are, are going to play in this league, whether it's next year or two years down the road. What's your philosophy, Mike, on size and its role in the game today? If we look back to last year and the team that you assembled through some trades, uh, you had a pretty big team, not the least of which was the addition of Giovanni Smith, one of your uh, later deals last season. You look at the Guelph team that you've already talked about, and they certainly had some big bodies uh, both up front and on the back end. Your team was smaller and, and a more skilled team uh, this year, and it wasn't a year for you to, to add a, in any way. But when, when you look at physicality and size uh, as a part of a team, how important is that in the junior game today? Well, I, I, I think there's a big difference between size and strength. 
So when you look at the two teams, you know, that are on the ice last night, and you look at our team from last year even, we did have some big guys, but we also had a lot of 19 and 20-year-olds too. So uh, the way the human body works, 19 and 20-year-olds are going to be a lot stronger than 16, 17-year-olds, and maybe even 18-year-olds. So you got to be a little bit careful with how you define size. Um, you can define size as, as tall, I guess, and you have a six foot five player. But if he's 17 years old and he's six foot four or six foot five, then it probably doesn't matter if you're if you're going up against a 19 or 20 year old that's three full years older than a guy. So um, size is great to have. I think it's a bonus, uh, but we don't want to get caught chasing size and just worrying about size and drafting size when um, we believe that the game, the, the, the teams that have the most skill and that can put the puck in the net are the teams that will ultimately win and be successful. Uh, you saw last year, there's always a time where you can go out and get some size and get some grit and, and toughness. Um, I think the Giovanni Smith trade is probably the best example of that, where we, we looked at our team and said, you know, we could add a little bit of extra toughness and size and, and sandpaper to our lineup to go along with guys like Mascaren and Sherwood and Brown and, and these guys. So, um, you know, that was an example of a time we, we thought we could, you know, add something like that. But we just don't want to get caught chasing that. Um, you know, I think if you look, even at the NHL level, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning right now and they're, they're, they're forward group. And uh, I think there's maybe two guys that are, you know, over six feet. Um, and that's a team that's, you know, basically tearing apart the NHL right now at the highest level of hockey there is. So I think you need to be a little bit careful of, of chasing that. But ultimately, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you, you if you can get it, by all means, you want it. Um, but sometimes uh, you got to be a little bit careful with just chasing it. Just before I let you go, Mike, you've got a head coach in Jay McKee who this year moved into fifth place all-time in coaching wins uh, as a Kitchener Rangers head coach, and he's been around with his staff for a couple of years now. They've all got an NHL pedigree. Uh, do you foresee any changes in that staff as you head into next year? And make no mistake, I'm not suggesting anybody needs to be fired. I just know that there are often aspirations. But at this point, so early after the season, do you anticipate any changes in that regard? Yeah, it's very hard to tell right now just because our, our our schedule doesn't align with the NHLs very well. They've still got, you know, five or six games left to regular season and then they go into playoffs and there's the off season. So um, you know, you know, Jay's done a great job obviously last year with the run and this year. I think if you look at how many player how many of our players took gigantic leaps forward and, and what I mean gigantic, like five goals to fifty goals type seasons and uh, you know, like, like a guy like Yancis, uh, a guy like Ricard Hogg, you know, from last year to this year, huge improvement, Damiani, Gareffa, Morales, uh, the way our young guys came on in the second half and, and uh, turned it on and showed that they're good players and developing. Uh, I think the staff and Jay did a great job. Um, but I'm also a realist in, in knowing that it's a development league for, for everyone, the players and coaches. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sure Jay's going to get a lot of love from professional teams and, uh, you know, whether or not that's something he wants to do, um, you know, will be up to him or, or what opportunities arise. But uh, I guess it's, it's much too early to tell um, right now at this point.
I like how you asked him about the coaching staff because that was some of the talk after the final playoff game. Jay was asked, are you coming back next year? Is that the plan? Are you coming back next year? There's already enough people on Twitter that seem to think that Jay McKee is the problem or Mike McKenzie is the problem. And let me assure you, you're wrong. They are not the problem. And uh, I'm guessing Jay McKee will be back next year. I know he has NHL aspirations, but that is a guy that if I am Mike McKenzie, I would love to just sign on to a 20-year deal. No opt-out. Just keep him here. You want a guy like Jay McKee to be your Dale Hunter. And it's a little easier for Dale because he's got ownership in the team. Much like Bob Bugner did when and Reichs when they were behind the bench in Windsor. But I, I don't think Jay will be around for too many more years. I think he's got maybe one more push left, which will be next year. I suspect you're right, but that might just be guys like you and I who are close to it thinking, you know, he wants to to go out after taking another run, which could be next season. Uh, but I, to your point about the pro aspirations, I don't have much doubt in my mind about that when it comes to Jay McKee. And I think then you're just, you're selfish. You do what, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just yeah. if the opportunity comes along, you take it. But I, I, I hope you're right because as we talked about earlier, He's been great to deal with. And as you heard Mike McKenzie just say, it's difficult to argue with the results. You get a guy like Jonathan Yancis going from five goals to 50. Don't tell me this guy didn't bring out the best in some of his players through this past season. So I think he's a great fit. I, I'm like you. I wish it would be a, you know, a lifetime contract a la the London Knights. But there are all kinds of rumors flying around Bud Gardens right now with the Hunters, plural, going pro. Sounds like Mark will for sure. I don't want to tell tales out of school, but that's the, that's the scuttlebutt right now. And does does Dale follow suit too? Could you imagine what happens there? I don't think that's going. Yeah, to Yeah, he'll be back in a year. <laughs> yeah, oh. been there, done that. <sighs> Boom. Yeah, shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, so we got a few things planned this summer. We got yeah. one more podcast next week. We got more podcasts. No, plural. Not. Yeah, no. we'll we'll release a couple interviews. That just, we'll do throughout the summer, but I'm not doing weekly. I'm, use, I'm just not. I, I, I have a full time job that I need to concentrate on. I have a full time job, so I can actually. Yeah, you sit around and talk for a living. You don't have a. This is your full time job: you ranting deliver, and raving. You deliver beer or not ranting, deliver? What, what's it called it. now? Yeah, not rant and rave. What's it called now? It is rant and rave. Oh, it is. Oh yeah. yeah. Come on in, rant and rave. Let's. What do you think of the? What I'll do you think you. of the? I'll trade you for provincial a day. government. I'll trade you for a day. Oh, the feds. Eh? They We're they only, release two people. <laughs> We're only. We're only going to carry it until the end of the Memorial Cup. So it's like another month and a half. Then I'm you not can have doing a weekly podcast. June, July, August, <laughs> you can have off. Even most but of September. We'll, what we'll do is we'll just air an hour of the Mike Farwell show, heard every day on 570 News. That will replace the podcast because Pope is going into summer mode. You can do the podcast no. in your shorts. No, not coming in. Okay. I'm, I'm zoning out, man. I'm zoning out. Use the hashtag AskFNP and tell this donkey that there's a little bit more work to do. I got three fantasy baseball leagues to run. I got Jay's games to go to. I got my actual full-time job that I need to actually do because they're so kind to me for six months of the year, sometimes seven or eight. It is currently 8, 12 p.m. I know Chris Pope and no Chris Pope, either wintertime Chris Pope or summertime Chris Pope, works until after 8 o'clock. There's a lot of office work nights. with this job, though, that doesn't get Jeez. done a lot of the time. Here we go. Here <laughs> throughout we go. the season. All right. And the boss man's like, hey, you you should... Uh, File maybe, those reports. Maybe try to do some uh, pre-work for your day instead of just showing up the places. And I thought, yeah, 
I could if I didn't just fall asleep on the couch for 12 hours as soon as I got home every night. Anyway, can we'll you stay see- engaged on Twitter. But we still got one more podcast The left. negotiations are happening live during this episode. Yeah, Somebody tell him. It's not even negotiations. It's just, here's my here's my two weeks. This podcast <laughs> will continue in one form or another. Two week notice. Until this one. the end of the Memorial Cup. Two week notice. It's a junior hockey podcast. Oh. <laughs> what, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, did you see that dub game? Nope. Haven't watched hockey. I'm checking out. Did you see the London Knights nope. beat the Guelph Storm and then the Saginaw Spirit? What? That's the West Final? Probably. Checking out. Okay. Go Jays. <laughs> uh, I was about to say go London because I've got a case of beer on them. Yeah. So, all right. Um, well, I'm going to win that one. We're, we're, we've finished the regular season even. Yes. One and one. On beer we each bets. won one and lost one. Yeah. And uh, you know what? We haven't... We should end this on a positive. Okay. Speaking of that, stick tap to former Rangers uh, forward Jeremy Brocco, leading the American League in points right now, having a fantastic season. Great video of him playing fetch with his dog on the ice posted online today. Um, But Riley Damiani signs with the Dallas Stars now in Texas with Adam Maskren. Thoughts? Yeah, he's got the ATO going right now to carry him through the rest of this AHL season. Yeah. And then the old ELC with the Dallas Stars. Uh, listen, there is zero denying this guy's work ethic. And from day one in the Ontario Hockey League, his 200-foot game stood out. Career yep. year, 30 goals, 85 points. Uh, he earned it. There's He flat out earned it. This is going to be a really great test for him to go to the AHL for a few weeks here towards the end of the Texas Stars season and see what it's like up there with the big boys. I just think even practicing is going to send his game to another level. You start playing with those guys on an almost daily basis, it makes it so much easier that he knows a couple of them from his rookie camp this year. And uh, like he knows Adam Maskren. Um, he knows of Nick Camano. Guys like that that are there that can t- know what it's like. It's their first season there too. You grab them, you show them around. Uh, I think it's a huge step for Riley. I thought, I'll be honest, came a little earlier than I expected, but that guy has busted his tail each and every game to get that entry-level deal. There was no doubt in my mind he was getting one. Since his first month in the league, I think you and I have said NHL. Yep. Written all over him. Written all over him. He thinks the game at another level. His skating... Probably needs to get a little better, but he's got time to do it. And you can teach skating. You can't teach thinking the game. And he knows what he has to do. He's committed to playing that 200-foot game. He's smart, plays the game well. He's showing off his offensive side this year. Everyone knew he had the defensive side. He had one of the best defensive uh, playoffs that uh, in the entire Ontario Hockey League last year, shutting down almost every line. Um, and I couldn't be happier for the kid. I'm with you on that. Couldn't be happier. I'm also with you on uh, a little bit on the surprised side that it happened as soon as it did. So I'll just add to that for Kitchener Rangers fans. Enjoy him while he lasts. Because I would have bet you that he's going to have an overage season in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, I will re- I will take that bet now off the table. You, you got one more year with Riley Damiani, kids. Because he'll go off to the Big Tent, as Don Cameron calls it. So, signed his deal. Which means he could play pro next year. Could. Could. No, not next year. That would, that would, well, I'm surprised. That would shock They're me. pulling him up right now. 
Yeah, because they've got they've got a string to play out in Dallas or in Texas with the AHL team, right? Yeah. Get them some of those games. Get them some of those reps. Take them to the big camp in the fall. If you're a Kitchener Rangers fan, all I'm saying, stop it. What you said, we're going to end on a positive is, well, note. I'm, I'm about to. Okay. All I'm saying is you better say some prayers throughout the summer that Riley is returned to Ranger Nation, and then you have one final year of some top-end forwards and Riley Damiani because he ain't coming back for an overage year. So next year, chips are going in. See, I was going to say, there's your basket. Yeah. Go put the eggs into it. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That'll do it for another episode. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. For the second last time. No, not quite. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.